Yes, I'm on. Morning, everyone. You lot are amazing, by the way. So many people have prayed and cheered me on, and thank you. Brilliant. Um, I really felt, and I'm sure I could hear it in what David was saying and in the worship, Just I just felt God's steadying hand. I mean, I needed it. But for us as a body of people, he's, he is with us and for us. And it's like a kind of a thick, I don't know, I'm not going to say oil, but that's, not, that's a bit weird. But just a kind of a, a cloaking of his presence and his reassurance that he's on this. He's with us. He's on us for the journey. And, um, well, I'm very thankful for that. Let's hope, we, uh, let's hope we grow together in the next 25 minutes and that we're inspired um, as we move forward. Father God, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are building your church, that you are training us in godliness and in um, boldness, Lord God, for the tasks you've got ahead of us as Beacon Church and as individuals. Thank you that we're not in this in our own strength. We're in it hidden in you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Right. Um, have you ever done anything that has terrified you so much you thought, why did I even start on this? I, uh, I did something this week that I'd done about 10 years ago and had been an abject failure. I went to do um, Go Ape. <laughs> if you've heard of Go Ape, you put on this ridiculously flimsy little harness, climb an, a massive tree on a little rope ladder, and then swing and zip glide and walk on these wobbly little things that some really mean person has designed. It's about two and a half hours of a near-death experience. And uh, yeah, my friend said, let's do it for my birthday. It's like, yes. But the last time I did it, the boys were about 10 and 12, and I, Bob remembers it as well, I got up the first bit. I don't know if I even did one stage before I was clinging to a tree, crying, and just praying to get out of it. Just no. My brain said no. It's not logical. No. Came down, cheered them on from the ground. Somehow last week, found myself up a tree again in a flimsy little harness. Um, but yes, so there's nothing like having a preach on boldness to go through a near-death experience beforehand to, to warm you up for it. Okay. There are some lessons to be learned from it, which I may come back to later if we have time. But yes, God was faithful. God got me round. And um, I'm never doing it again. So, all right, so this next of our preachers in the series on God's wisdom, last week Steve was talking about uh, verses in Ecclesiastes about the different seasons for life, there's a season for everything, and there was a real sense of God's grace to us, whatever season we're in, and that's a really good foundation for today's verse. So today, we've got something a bit more gung-ho, um, a bit more go-ape. Today's text is Proverbs 28, verse 1, which I think Paul's got here for us. Yes. The, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Um, if you're still struggling to get to grips with Proverbs, you can, be, you can be doing well for a few chapters in Proverbs, and suddenly there's this avalanche of Proverbs, all of which sort of, well, they're a bit overwhelming, really. Um, but there's a, a great book in the Bible Project, a great little eight-minute video in the Bible Project that you can find on YouTube or I can put on Beacon Prayer that will just give you an overview of Proverbs and how to read it and um, how it came together. All right. 
Uh, <clears throat> so Proverbs require wisdom and often some context too. Solomon wrote these, well, this one in particular, these early chapters, the last two attributed to someone else, uh, two other people. And it might be helpful to know what was in his mind when he wrote it. We can't know for sure, but I was wondering when I was reading it, um, what, what would make the wicked flee? Because in my mind, the wicked are often quite brazen and bold. Thank you very much. They're in your face, aren't they? A bit of a, a challenge, and they don't back down. And um, we can flee. As righteous, as children of God, we can feel tempted to flee. So it's a bit of a, what is, it, what is the context? Let's have a look. I wondered if Solomon might have been thinking about, I mean, he was the king of Israel, so he would have been well-versed in the history of his people. Um, he would have known the, the great victories and the horrible defeats that they had experienced in battle as they walked into their promised land. So I wondered if perhaps for this proverb, Solomon might be thinking of the battles where they had seen God's miraculous help in turning things around. I thought of the time when the very timid Gideon went from hiding in a winepress so the baddies couldn't find him, to with just 300 men and obeying God and walk close, walking closely with him, seeing the whole Midianite army flee. The Midianite army um, panicked in the night. Uh, Gideon and his men revealed their lamps, the, the things that they had burning, hidden under pots, the Midianite army thought they were surrounded. They all turned on each other and they ran away. That was an, a miraculous intervention because 300 men couldn't take on the army of the Midianites. Maybe that's what Solomon was thinking. The wicked flee when no one pursues. When God puts the fear of God in them. All right. Um, but as I was preparing, I was thinking of the story of David and Goliath. Actually, that's where I went. And Solomon would have known this story very well because... It was about his dad. David was his dad before, he, you know, that's how he knew him and he would have heard the stories. Do you remember the time when your dad? Okay, so the relevant chapters, 1 Samuel 16 and 17, are way too long to read here. So I'm sort of going to summarize them quickly um, and quote a couple of sections. The Israelites were facing yet another battle in Canaan, their promised land, this time against the Philistines. King Saul and the men of Israel were camped out on one hill. There was a valley. And then the Philistine armies um, were camped out on the other hill opposite. Battle lines were drawn up. And the armies were kind of like, you know, daring someone to blink, facing each other off. <coughs> now, Goliath of Gath, try saying that in a hurry, a giant warrior came down from the Philistine encampment and faced the Israelites he was somewhere between seven and a half and nine and a half feet tall, depending on uh, where you read the information, with a huge set of armor and a shield bearer walking in front of him. Imagine the shield bearer strutting out, I'm with him. However small the shield bearer was, he was with him. And uh, Goliath shouted to the watching Israelites, choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, brave or foolish, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Give me a man that we may fight together. 
And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, I read this extra little detail that I think I knew, but I'd forgotten. Goliath came and stood before them morning and night for 40 days. That's a long time to be dismayed and greatly afraid. Goliath, Goliath, Goliath. Oh, this blinking Goliath. Meanwhile, away from all of that was David, at the time a young shepherd boy. He was the youngest of eight sons in his family. Probably a young teenager, teenager, I was saying to Pete Stanley, probably about Joe's age, I don't know, young teenager, and was to look after the family sheep in the hills and occasionally to take food to his brothers who were serving with King Saul on the front line. In the previous chapter, though, notice this. I hadn't made the connection. We learn that um, David had been sought out already by the prophet Saul and chosen and anointed to be the future king of Israel. A massive deal. And then, presumably, sent back out to look after the sheep. What do you do with that? Maybe everyone, including David, was wondering what that was all about, especially as it was his brothers who got to go and fight for Saul, not him. And he learned some tough lessons out on the hills with the sheep. And maybe alone with God is where he wrote some of his psalms, or looking up at the night sky. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Psalm 23, or Psalm 8, sitting out there under the night sky. When I consider the heavens... The work of your hands. What is man that you are mindful of him? I can imagine David practicing, classic boy, maybe girls do this as well, but I didn't, practicing hitting things with his slingshot for hours on end. Wonder if I can hit that rock. Wonder if I can take that leaf off that tree. And protecting his flock from bears and lions who wanted to attack the sheep, sometimes even having to kill bears and lions. And I can imagine him thinking about what the prophet, David, prophet Samuel said over him. <clears throat> Maybe God knew David needed some character training. And God decides the timing of when it's good to go. That's often in the Bible, isn't it? Many Bible characters, there was a, as a call. We know what we're supposed to do. And then a, a wilderness or a hidden place where God trains you and you wait and you learn to rely on God. So, anyway, this time, David was sent to uh, the camp, the, the Israelite camp, to take some food for his brothers. And this time when he got there, he was just in time to hear Goliath taunting the men of Israel. But perhaps his time alone with God meant his perspective was different. Where the men of Israel were intimidated, David was outraged. Maybe David was God's secret weapon all along after his training. There is a boldness that comes from being right with God, having God's perspective, having God's timing, and that came to David after being hidden away with God and trained on the hills. Something rose up in David, and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right? His brothers were embarrassed, but Saul heard about it and agreed, cutting a long story short, he could fight Goliath. And David added, this uncircumcised Philistine to die, to defied the armies of the living God, but the God who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. 
and with his five smooth stones and his slingshot, out he went. That takes boldness. You've got this little lad, this giant Goliath, the whole army's scared of Goliath, and David just had it. He just, whatever it was, in that moment, everything came into place. I'm not having this, and took it. And of course, Goliath gone. The shield, the uh, shield bearer was like, I'm not with him, I'm not with him, I'm not with him, running off. Changed the plan, all the Philistines everywhere, and the Israelites suddenly courageous, woof, in, chasing the Philistines off. So, what can we learn from this? So many things. Uh, we are going to look for the next part of this at the things. I'm going to gloss over the bit where we're going from Old Testament to New Testament, the wicked and the righteous. Someone else can preach on that. I'm going to talk about us as believers, the things that sap our courage and the things that build our courage and our boldness. All right. We are human. We can be tempted to retreat. We can be tempted to be fearful. We can be knocked back by really significant circumstances. Um, But let's look at some of the things that may have sapped um, the Israelites' courage in that moment and that might affect us as well. Firstly, perhaps they were just tired and afraid. They'd been fighting a long time, lots of battles. Perhaps they'd forgotten God's promises to be with them and help them. They weren't particularly walking closely with him, maybe. They weren't confident of their standing with God. They'd lost sight of it. Perhaps God himself was holding them back. It wasn't the right time, and they just felt a caution. You know when it's right. Perhaps they were waiting on God's wisdom, not knowing what to do. They needed discernment. In any case, we know that God had David lined up in the wings. Some practical observations for us today. Um, We can all run on empty sometimes, spiritually operating in our own strength. I've got this. I can do this. But Jesus said, and he, he modeled it in his own life, we need to walk closely with God. We need to spend time with him. We need his word burning in our hearts, telling us who he is, who we are, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be equipped for the things we face. If we haven't been spending time in God's word, we often find ourselves, I often find myself, ill-equipped for the day. Quickly anxious, quickly annoyed, just not well, and people prayed before, to be grounded in the Lord. We need to be anchored in him when the problems of the world come yelling at us, when the headlines come yelling at us. We need to remember who he is and who he says we are. Um, The other thing is, as Christians, and I don't know, I can't put this on the Israelites, but I know they had a checkered history of walking with the Lord, but we need to live our lives in such a way that we honor him. And some of our confidence comes from knowing that we've we've kept short accounts with God. We're close to him. Um, Sometimes we, it's hard to walk around not feeling good, not feeling right with God, feeling a bit guilty. Uh, We know something's wrong. We know God knows too. And we need to take time out to put it right. We've got an accuser who likes to say, oh, you're no good, you're doing awful. No, 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 you got it wrong there. Now, I know for some of us, it's possible to have an overactive conscious and overthink everything. And I'm sorry, I put the left shoe on first and things like that. And there are others who have an underactive conscience where we just blase about the things that actually really matter to God about holiness. So we need God's word to give us that plumb line. If it matters to God, it matters to us. 
but we are loved by him in our journey of working it out. I've got two examples from my own life. I'm going to go fairly quickly. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, actually, I was really angry with a situation in our street uh, where we live with some neighbours behind us. And for a while, I thought it was righteous anger. I thought it was fine to walk around ranting about it. Um, But then I realised I felt quite distant from God. I didn't have his peace. I lost my joy. Um, Eventually, I worked it out through in prayer and decided, I can't put this right. I'm going to pray for God to bless and use this situation. God, would you bless and use this situation? God, would you turn this situation around for your glory? God, would you use us in it? Obviously, that situation is a work in progress, but my peace and my boldness were restored. I had his perspective on it. I invited him into it, asked him to help. Okay, about a month ago, confession time. Sorry, everybody. I stole something from a supermarket. Yes, I did. Yeah, sorry. I'd done all my shopping, paid for it, got out to the car, lifted up my bags, and there was something under the bags that I hadn't seen, hidden. And I was like, you know, my first thought, not very proud of it, was, I think I got away with it. No one noticed it. It's just easier to forget about it and go home. Right? Temptation. You get a temptation, what do you do with it? You think, what's the right thing to do? I'm going to put this right. I'm not going to leave myself open to the accuser going, you know, when you're next at church in worship going, you stole something and you can't worship anymore. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, no, I'm going to put this right before God. Can't accuse me. Nothing can stick on that one. So, yes, all right. Walked back in, self-service bill, paid for it, came out, went put it back in the car. Clean conscience, peace restored. We live in a way that honours God. We live in a way that if people watch us, we're trying to honour God. We're not perfect. They'll see us getting it wrong. They'll see us putting it right. And we try before God. So, we try not to run on empty. We try to keep short accounts with God. Here we go. Um, It really matters, doesn't it? He is God and we are not. He is holy. We are covered by the blood of Jesus, but we don't take his laws lightly. We want to live in a right way, upright, righteous, the righteous, to live justly where we can, where, where it's in our control, we try to do the right thing. We can come running to him when we get it wrong and find mercy in our time of need. So when we, when we do communion later, if God puts something on your conscience, you're like, I am so sorry. And he goes, I've got it covered. I forgive you. We keep short accounts with God. Uh, Actually, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 18 says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. We don't approach communion in fear, but we approach it humbly, knowing what the cross cost God to redeem us. We are humble. We are confident because he, he did that for us, but we are humble because he did that for us. The, the words of the song a few weeks ago, he made a wretch treasure. That's precious stuff. That's not to be taken lightly and glibly. Okay. Um, so, what will help us to be bold as a lion? We've kind of hinted at it a little bit already. Time alone with God. Goliath was enormous, and there was a lot at stake. If you were focusing on Goliath and what he was saying and how big he was on your problem, on the issue. But Goliath wasn't so big if, like David, you were focusing on the Lord and how big he was. 
and his purposes and his promises for the people of Israel. We all need time with our Heavenly Father. We come together to encourage each other, but individually we need to be seeking the Lord, knowing who we are in him, knowing his promises over our lives, feeling like I did this morning before I came up, his peace. I've got you. We've got this. I'm growing the church. And just a confidence that comes from him. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from anyone. It comes from the Lord. He emboldens us, but not if we're not spending time with him. We need to submit time alone with God. We need to submit to God's way, God's training. Sometimes we're out of action for a while and God's speaking to us in the secret place, in his word, in our conscience, in whatever season we go through, God can use everything to grow us and train us. So God's training and God's timing, as God had been working on David um, on the hillside with the sheep. We need to learn to hear God's voice bring difficult things to him and let and obey receiving healing so we need time submitting to god's way confidence in our relationship that he loves you you personally he loves you personally he's with you and for you personally sometimes we exclude ourselves yeah i know god's love yeah he loves you personally And he loves his church. He is passionate about his church, about us as a body of people. He wants us to, he wants to build us together as a community that reflect him well to the world out there. And we are stronger when we do that together. We need to keep short accounts with God, as we've looked at. So that the accuser can't say, you got it wrong again, and you're like, oh, he's like, yes, I did get it wrong. But actually, the Lord and I have sorted it out. I'm okay. I'm back on track. Off you go. We need each other, and we need to learn to pray more and press in in prayer. We all know we need to pray more. We need to do it. We need to learn to do it. We have our month of prayer and so on. We need to grow in prayer. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful and effective. We're not righteous in our own strength, as David said. It's a gift to us. The blood of Jesus has made us righteous, has washed us clean. So we can stand and say, thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayers, that I can stand in your presence and talk to you. And you hear me and you answer. Our prayers are powerful and effective. Um, This isn't a proverb, but you may have heard this growing up. Um, Technically, seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K, right? We don't want to be W-E-A-K. We want to be B-O-L-D. All right. We need to take hold of God's promises. There are many promises that confirm that he wants to work with us to build his church, that he wants us to know we are secure, that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ, that he has given us authority to do the work that he's given us to do in the spiritual realms. He's given that to us. He's equipped us. And he is sending us out into the harvest. And he does say, like lambs among wolves, like David's among Goliaths. But he's commissioned us. It's called the Great Commission. And it's not complete yet. And finally, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at the disciples before Pentecost. They'd learned to walk with Jesus. They'd learned a lot about him. They'd learned to minister in his name. And they had been fairly effective. 
But when Pentecost came, these were men that could change the world. These were men that could take the gospel out to the local communities further. And as the message caught, as the Holy Spirit went with them and worked through them, and people caught the, caught the gospel, the good news, that was Pentecost. That was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We are foolish if we think we can just have a go ourselves and have a good job. We can't. We need God, we need you more. Holy Spirit, we need more of you every day. All right, so we need to be bold because the harvest is plentiful. The need is huge because it's a battle. As Christians, we face much opposition from the world, from our own flawed nature, and from the enemy. So we need to be bold. We need to be bold because we are still on the uh, same incomplete mission the Great Commission, um, and I just, for a moment, I just went away in my head, and I just thought about the thousands and millions of people over the years who've caught this, and who've given their lives to serve the gospel, who've poured themselves out, because they caught it, they caught that they needed to be bold, they caught that the work, there was a harvest, and they, they, they obeyed, this. no good just being bold if you then go, I'm bold, but I'm staying at home on the sofa, bold means taking a step of faith sometimes, stepping out, taking God at his word. So let's just look at some of these. Look at the early disciples and what they did. The early church, the persecution they faced. Paul, going from a God-hater to a God-lover and what he went through. He just kept going. This gospel has to go out. All the way through. And then I popped into my head, I don't know why she often does, Gladys Aylward, a housemaid from East London, a powerful missionary in China. Um, world-class cricket players like C.T. Studd gave up what they could have had, the glory of being a really great cricketer, to serve on the mission field. Watchmakers like Corrie Ten Boom, who just wanted a quiet life, a godly life, but a quiet life, called out onto the front lines in World War II in the um, Ravensbrück concentration camp. And then as a minister in peace and reconciliation for years, she wouldn't have chosen that. But that was her thing, that God had trained her for in the secret place, and she changed everything. Medical missionaries, Christian pastors in wartime like Richard Wormbrandt, youth leaders, leprosy doctors, worship leaders, prayer warriors, street preachers. The Alpha Course, that was God, but that would have taken a real boldness to launch and look at it now. All of those who've understood that they had a part to play in taking the gospel to the nations in our generation. What's your part What's my part? What's Beacon's part? We will pass the baton on one day, but we want to play our part. I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't feel like that a lot of time. I felt like the wicked who wanted to flee this morning. I was halfway out the door. But being bold because of who he is and what he's called us to do. Right. What about me? I don't feel very bold right now. As Steve said last week, we're all going through different seasons and at different times. And sometimes rest is needed to recharge our batteries. Um, Sometimes something takes us out of action for a while. And we need to go with that. We need to allow God to help us through that. We need to allow the body of Christ to help us through that. And uh, we need to grow through it. We can't do it on our own. We are here to support and encourage each other. So what do we need boldness for in Beacon at the moment? 
We really need, uh, I wonder if this is the secret place. I wonder if we've been hidden away to be trained in boldness by the Lord right now in Vibe for the next stage. Just think of that. I feel like we are on a spiritual journey as well as a quest for a new building. So maybe that's it. What do we need boldness for? Well, we need to be bold in prayer. We need to pray for a new building to meet in. We're not praying to a reluctant God or God who may or may not want to help us. We need to be confident that God is building his church and he knows what we need and he resources his church. Our elders need that boldness. They need us to be praying for them. They need us all together to be praying so that we can... We're only, we're only small. Look at us. We're a small group of people in a coastal town. But if we're bold and we take God at his word, who knows? Who knows? I'm in faith that God has got great things for this body of people and those he will join with us that we can impact Herm Bay for the gospel. So we need boldness in prayer for that particularly. Some of us, have, have we need boldness just to be able to pray out loud or just to be able to phone someone and say, I'm not doing great. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? We need boldness to love our neighbours, to find ways to bless and encourage people, to invite people around, to witness. We need boldness to try things we haven't tried before. Maybe join a growth group if you haven't. Join a team to serve on a Sunday if you can. Offer, this is for Mel, she's not here, she's out there, to help Mel with the light party coming up at half term. This might not be your thing. Be, this isn't my thing, standing here. Be bold. See what God will do. We are passionate about the young people in Herne Bay and the children coming to know him and, and um, hearing truth. We want to be praying for Mel and we want to be supporting Mel. That's an area we can be bold in as a church in the immediate future. It's a fun half-term party, if you didn't know. Light party, alternative to Halloween celebrations. And our children in this town need to know that there's an alternative to Halloween. Need to know the gospel. Okay, finally, I don't know who this is for. It might be for a few people. Sometimes boldness is just inching forwards very slowly. And sometimes boldness is just standing. Having done all else to stand. I'm doing that at the moment on a particular issue that I'm not going to go into. But there are times when you feel like I'm not going forwards. I'm not feeling bold. But I'm just going to stand confident that God is with me and for me in this. All right. Many thoughts on boldness. <clears throat> Shall we stand and pray? Is that all right? Are you happy to stand with me? Father God, I thank you for who you are, that you're with us and for us. Right now, you see us standing, sitting. You see us, Lord God, and you are with us and you are for us. And from that comes a boldness, Lord God. I just want you to think for a minute, what Goliaths are you facing? What are you facing that is an enormous challenge that seems bigger than God? Seems. Or maybe you, you're okay, you're in a reasonably good place at the moment. What Goliath might your friends or family or colleagues be facing? How can we support them and stand with them in prayer? Just bring them to the Lord right now, at the moment, your Goliaths. A Goliath that you know someone else is facing. 
maybe in a minute we can um, pray with each other at the communion table. Ask someone, just come pray with me about this. And uh, also as we stand together, humbly but boldly as God's children, we're going to ask us to help him with a building in Herne Bay to open that door where we can grow as a community of people and we can bless our community with the gospel in any way God chooses. Right, Father God, I just thank you for everyone here this morning. We just bring these Goliaths to you, Father God, and we pray that you would help us gain a godly perspective. Lord, whether on our own or with other people standing with us, that you would help us to lean into you and feel a boldness rising, Lord God. We want to pray for the light party, Lord, that it will be um, a success, that Mel will feel supported, that there will be a team around her, but that your word will go out, that young people will hear an alternative to the darkness that's out there. Lord God, we represent you when we do these things. And God, we stand together and we ask you for boldness for our elders, for faith and vision as they go forward. We stand with them, Lord God. We pray that you will provide what Beacon needs for this next season. And we are confident of your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. Um, Would you like to sit down just for a moment?